This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Kaya Williams, subbing in for Eleanor Bennett with your top stories of the day. There's just over a week to go until Super Tuesday, when more than a dozen states will vote in presidential primaries. That includes Colorado, where voters should have already received their ballots by mail. If you didn't get your ballot, still need to register, or just prefer to vote in person, you can start doing that today at some locations. Picking County residents can go to the Aspen Police Department. Eagle County residents can vote at the Clerk and Recorder's Office in Elgebel. Garfield County residents can vote early at the Glenwood Springs Community Center or the County Fairgrounds in Rifle. For more information on upcoming elections, you can head to aspenpublicradio.org. We've got NPR coverage of the presidential primaries, as well as a local election guide for races later this year. We're also looking for your thoughts on this year's elections. You can fill out the survey through a link on our website. Eagle County Commissioners got an update on the Front Country Ranger Program last week. It's a partnership between the county and the White River National Forest, funded by the county. From April to October, Front Country Rangers mainly interact with the public, reminding them of safe camping rules outside of developed campsites. Officials estimate that the nine seasonal workers in the program made nearly 2,000 contacts with the public last year. Also this past season, the group put out 21 abandoned or unattended campfires, dismantled 121 improper fire rings outside of developed campgrounds, and hauled off 3,475 pounds of trash. In 2024, the Forest Service plans to have its front country rangers install bilingual signage with an emphasis on fire safety and take inventory of all of the campsites in non-developed areas. Aspen residents must take down their holiday lights or seasonal lighting by this Friday, March 1st. That's according to Aspen's land use code. Seasonal lighting is allowed between November 15th and March 1st, but long-term use is prohibited as it contributes to light pollution, attracts wildlife, and increases unnecessary energy usage. Plus, when lights are wrapped around trees, it's harder for them to grow. Lights left up after this week could result in fines. The town of Basalt is moving forward with plans to develop the Stotts Mill Child Care Center. The region's existing facilities have had insufficient enrollment slots to meet the local community's needs, and without reliable care, families can struggle to find and maintain employment. So at the request of the town of Basalt, the Picking County Board of Commissioners set aside $150,000 of the county's American Rescue Plan funding and $100,000 from the general fund to support the construction of this new facility. Picking County Commissioners are helping fund the project and will try to develop an intergovernmental agreement during their work session tomorrow. They'll vote on it on Wednesday. Picking County staff want to update the electrification system at the library and some health and human services facilities. That's after they completed an electrification study of 10 county buildings. Picking County Commissioners have previously set goals to adapt to changing technology demands and decarbonize county facilities. Staff will be seeking board direction at tomorrow's work session as they finalize the scope of work and release a request for proposals. And a reminder that the Roaring Fork School District is kicking off a series of safety forums this week. They're getting feedback from families about possible new programs and policies to keep students safe. 
District staff will ask parents about secure entrances, crisis protocols, bullying prevention, and mental health services. There are sessions at Roaring Fork High School today, Glenwood Springs Middle School tomorrow, and Basalt High School on Wednesday. Each one will take place in English from 5 to 6.30 p.m. The Spanish session will follow from 6.30 to 8. In news from the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, a poet and author from Jamaica will speak about her Rastafari upbringing and her new memoir at Dakar this Thursday. Sophia Sinclair spent a decade thinking of how she would write about her life, as well as the family and culture that shaped it. People really have this kind of narrow, stereotypical view of what being Jamaican is like. And most people would be surprised to know that Rastafari actually a persecuted minority in Jamaica. Her new book, How to Say Babylon recounts a historic cycle of trauma and oppression, as well as a personal story of identity and independence. Sinclair's father was domineering and sometimes violent as he restricted her family's access to non-Rastafari culture. She, in turn, pushed back and eventually left home. Sinclair says it took time, distance, and therapy to reach a place where she felt safe to write this book. Now I could try to take, you know, these moments from my life and by writing them down and crafting them and and making this book that somehow I could also change them into something beautiful, something positive. Sinclair will speak at 6 p.m. Thursday at Taka. It's part of the Aspen Words Winter Words series, which is also streamed online. The Aspen Music Festival and School will commemorate its 75th anniversary this summer with performances by celebrated alumni and major guest musicians. The organization is announcing the lineup today, and many of the festival's biggest names will be returning this summer. Featured artists include pianist Joyce Yang, opera singer Renee Fleming, and conductor James Conlon, all Aspen Music Fest alumni, as well as guest musicians like violinist Augustine Hadelik, pianist Alexander Malafeyev, and the multi-hyphenate talent Nicholas McGeegan. The theme this year, Becoming Who You Are, explores Aspen's impact on the development of thousands of classical musicians. And while there's a good dose of Bach and Wagner on the lineup, audiences will also get a look at the present and future of the genre, with new compositions by 21st century artists. The owners of a cafe, co-working space, and social club in downtown Aspen are handing over the keys to another local restaurateur. Candace Olson and Michaela Carpenter have decided to close here house in a restaurant called Alpina, which previously operated as local coffee. The Aspen Daily News reports that they've sold their lease to Raphael Derley, who opened the French Alpine Bistro in Aspen and has been involved in several other projects. Durley is partnering with a culinary team based in New York and a big-name chef, Cedric Von Gerichten, son of the famous Jean-Georges. Olson and Carpenter ran Here House and the Next Door Cafe for several years. It was a space for people to work and dine and collaborate, and they regularly hosted community conversations on topics that ranged from local history to mental health to financial investments. According to the Daily News, the new owner is looking to open his concept in late June. This report was produced on the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk. And in news from the Ski Report, the National Weather Service has issued a winter storm warning for Aspen and Snowmass Village through 11 p.m. tomorrow, 
One to two feet of snow are expected to fall, and wind gusts could reach up to 60 miles per hour. Travel is expected to be difficult or impossible during this time, with widespread blowing snow significantly reducing visibility. Strong winds could cause tree damage, and wind chills could be as low as 25 degrees below zero. Pack extra supplies in the car if you have to travel, and be aware that winds can impact some lift operations on the ski hill. Open snow is predicting that Aspen Mountain could get 12 inches out of the storm. Aspen Highlands and Snowmass Ski Area could get 13 inches, while Buttermilk could get about 9 inches. Things won't really ramp up until tonight, though, so now's your window for some slick cross-country skiing in the valley. All Things Considered host Hallie Zander hit up the Snowmass Golf Course this weekend and found variable snow conditions on Labrador Lane. There's some slush, some ice, and some bare spots. I was also on the golf course this weekend, though I didn't run into Hallie. The trails that are designated for skiers only, like Loop 60, are still in pretty good shape, with some solid, smooth corduroy. For the adventurous among us, there's now a pretty impressive ski jump, too, where Loop 60 connects to Lab Lane and the Owl Creek Trail. The Audi FIS Ski World Cup races are coming to Aspen Mountain this Friday through Sunday. The entire race course and Lift 1A are closed to the public this week as crews set up for the races. Folks may encounter some other trail closures on the Shadow Mountain side of the ski area. Uphilling there is currently prohibited at all times. In statewide news, the Denver Classroom Teachers Union has kicked off a supply drive for new immigrant students. CPR education reporter Jenny Brandine has more. Denver Public Schools reports that more than 3,400 students have enrolled in schools across the district since summer. Some classrooms have 35 students. Some students need classroom supplies and their families need basic supplies. Rob Gould is president of the Denver Classroom Teachers Association. New clothing, school supplies and hygiene products and even $10 gift cards, $10 to $20 gift cards that can help support a family. Teachers are making donations as the district's six community hubs collect money and supplies. Jenny Brandine, CPR News. Three members of the University of Wyoming swimming and diving team were killed in a highway crash in northern Colorado last week. The Associated Press reports the crash happened Thursday afternoon on U.S. 287, about 10 miles south of the Wyoming-Colorado line between Laramie and Fort Collins. A University of Wyoming statement says the crash injured two other team members who are expected to survive. The crash happened when the driver swerved off the road and the SUV rolled over multiple times. And in news from the region and beyond, wildfires are increasing in size and intensity, and billions are spent every year fighting them. New research suggests land managers could have a new ally to turn to, beavers. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse reports. When beavers get to work along mountain waterways, they can quickly turn them into sprawling wetlands. And those wetlands, according to new research, effectively provide critical refuge for plants and animals during even intense wildfires and aid in recovery post-fire. Looking at three major 2020 wildfires in Colorado and Wyoming, researchers found that nearly 90% of beaver-dammed riverscapes could be classified as so-called fire refugia, while just 60% of riverscapes without dams could. Lead author Emily Fairfax. From a policy perspective, I think what that could look like is really encouraging beavers to come back to these public lands and focusing our efforts on getting them into those watersheds that historically they did occupy in very high numbers. The paper, published by the Geological Society of America, concludes that, quote, beaver populations can be part of a comprehensive fire mitigation strategy. 
For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. A new report shows rooftop solar energy in the U.S. has increased tenfold over the past decade. Some states in our region led the charge, while others lag behind. The Mountain West News Bureau's Caleb Radel reports. In 2022, rooftop solar generated enough energy to power nearly 6 million homes. That's according to Environment America, a research and policy group. Nevada leads our region. Its solar energy from rooftops could power about 129,000 homes, eighth in the nation. Meanwhile, Wyoming could power only 2,100 homes, 46th in the nation. Colorado could power nearly 128,000 homes, ninth in the nation. Johanna Newman co-authored the report. She says lawmakers should make rooftop solar more accessible for homeowners and businesses. It's becoming increasingly absurd that consumers are paying a utility company to get energy from a polluting power plant hundreds of miles away when they could just be soaking up the sun on their roofs. She says rooftop solar has the potential to generate 45 percent of the nation's electricity, but in 2022, it produced just one and a half percent. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Caleb Radel. Las Vegas casinos took in a record amount of gambling revenue last year. More cities are gaining traction as gambling destinations, including some in our region. Las Vegas remains the number one gambling spot in the nation, followed by Atlantic City, New Jersey. Colorado's Black Hawk Central City area ranked 10th, according to the latest data from the American Gaming Association. Nationwide revenues from casino games, sports betting, and virtual gaming hit $67 billion last year, the Gaming Association says. These figures do not include tribal gaming revenues. The Aspen Public Radio newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Eleanor Bennett, and me, your host for the day, Kaya Williams. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.